Blackstar Radio on the phone right now. I've got a young lady, Libby Cook-Black, who has gone from netball to rugby league to then the rugby sevens and further from there. Libby, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. If I could just start off, you are a resident of Cairns, but you were born on Thursday Island? Yeah, so born um, on Thursday Island, uh, but my family are from Darnley Island, which is an eastern island, island of the Torres Strait. But I've grown up between the islands, Mackay, Cairns, bit of Townsville, so I kind of class myself more as a far north Queensland girl. But your sporting background, your sporting career is pretty incredible. Now, you started off playing representative netball at school. That took you to a scholarship to a school in Sydney. How did that work out? So I was really fortunate, kind of, uh, to try my hand at netball and just loved it. And from there, I started sort of making some schoolgirls teams and, you know, for the state level and playing at nationals. And I was really fortunate from there to be picked in the Australian Indigenous uh, netball team, it was called then, in kind of my... I was a, a baby, I was 14, and I got to play with the under-18 girls, and they actually were on an international tour that year, so it was in New Zealand, so... From there, um, I kind of got linked in with a netball coach who then supported me to apply for some schools in Brisbane for going into year 10, but I was knocked back because I didn't quite meet the requirements for ab study or anything like that because my mum earned a little bit too much, but not enough to send me herself. <laughs> so then I was really fortunate to get a, um, a scholarship at Timble Ladies College in Sydney, and it just went from there. That's a fairly uh, exclusive sort of school, isn't it? Yeah, it's very different from what I'd grown up. Uh, in the communities that I'd grown up in. So it was a bit of a culture shock for me, but really important lessons came out of that, I feel. Because I think it would have been a highly regulated life down there, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I think the biggest thing I struggled with was wearing shoes to the dinner hall. <laughs> <laughs> so you've gone on from there, you know, university, but you continued netball for quite a while. How'd that go? So I played um, representative level down in New South Wales on my own, kind of getting transporting myself by trains because I also had to learn how to catch a train. So in year 11 and 12, I then continued when I went to straight on to uni from year 12 um, at UNSW and I played what was like state league then. I'm not sure if it still is now, but I was really fortunate to get picked up by Sydney Uni um, and I wasn't even attending Sydney Uni, so that was fun. And I just kept playing netball and I still loved it, but it was really hard to balance both full-time uni and full-time training. Um, I was really fortunate to have scholarships, so I didn't actually need to work, which was a big blessing because I don't think I could have fitted a job on top of that schedule. Of course, in your bio, you go that you've switched netball dress to some rugby (laughs) pants. How did that come about? Well, um, I was actually training um, at Sydney Uni and they were recruiting some of the um, the netball girls to go across and have a try at Rugby Sevens and I didn't want to borrow it at that time. I'd grown up being around football with the boys in my family playing football and I just was sick of the football scene. I also didn't grow up with the opportunity to play football. Um, that wasn't a thing for young girls or women. You know, I grew up going to, you know, the Murray Cups and all the um, All Blacks carnivals and things around and in the islands. Um, And there wasn't an opportunity for women to play. I think I'd maybe watched one or two women play as a child, just kind of showcase games. And it was brutal. So I decided straight away I didn't want a bar of it. And I don't even really know what switched. I was playing touch for just some fitness and things like that. And a couple of mates just said, oh, come and have a try at a, a training you know, carnival or camp sort of thing. And I went along and just realised that I naturally could, being a bigger girl, hit people and it didn't hurt as much as it looked. (laughs) So I swapped out the netball dress for some rugby pants and I just didn't look back. (laughs) So in other words, you found that you enjoyed tackling people. 
Yeah, uh, surprisingly for myself, I did definitely didn't think it was something. I like my teeth, but I found you could have a mouth guard and that would protect that. So then I just went around throwing myself, trying to smash people. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lovely description. So from there, uh, you've then gone to the Indigenous All-Stars and the Gillaroos as well. Yeah, so I was really fortunate in my rugby league. It was kind of a time where it was picking up for women. And so being a young Indigenous woman who had um, already kind of like a high-performance background, I kind of ticked a lot of the boxes that coaches and recruiters were looking for, I guess. I had no idea how to tackle properly, and I had no idea really how to play football at all. So that was something they could teach me, though. So I think they saw that I had some sort of fitness level and ability, um, and they could teach me the rest. So I was really fortunate to be picked up for the Indigenous All-Stars. And uh, from there, I played the Indigenous All-Stars game. So that in itself was a bit of a, a head spin for me. And it was just it just took off really quickly. Then you've had a successful career with the Women's Rugby League. Then you've ended up with the Rugby Sevens. I mean, that's a totally different game. I mean, that's union. Yeah. How did that happen? So I think, look, league and union, I think if you yarn to anyone, um, they'll be pretty similar. Technical um, rules and things are a little bit different, but after being picked for Indigenous All Stars, I got the call to go play for Gillaroos, and I, that was, I didn't even expect to be able to make a debut. I was just excited to be in camp. And I sort of decided that I needed to move and locate myself in Brisbane um, because that's where all the opportunities and the training was. Um, at that time, too, there wasn't really, like, the programs and stuff there is for women that there are now for rugby league. Um, it was more rugby sevens. So rugby sevens had picked up, obviously, because they were uh, recruiting and getting their drive ready for the Rio Olympics. Um, and then when the Olympics happened, there was a massive push for, you know, programs to still uh, be, you know, sourced in Brisbane, not just Sydney and things like that. So I was really fortunate to get picked up um, in the rugby seven scene as well, and I was fortunate to play for the Queensland Reds for a couple of years and just they trained all year round so that really complemented my rugby league as well because I could get that fitness base in, you know in the gym and that training from rugby sevens and they were really supportive of my rugby league um, aspirations as well so I just used their coaching staff and their gyms and all that sort of stuff to um, not just play rugby sevens but to play rugby league as well so yeah it was it was interesting I got to travel internationally as well as nationally so I just took it for, for what it was, took the opportunity and just r ran with it, literally. <laughs> I mean, you've had an amazing career with both those football codes, but it came to an end. Yeah, so I was actually trialling the next year for another spot in the Indigenous All-Stars. Uh, and in the trial match, it's like the Currys versus Murrays game. And I tore my ACL. And that was devastating for me because that was actually also the year for World Cup selection. And a lot of my other Korean Murray sisters and a couple of island girls in there too. It was a really big opportunity for us to actually break into the Jillaroos and, and find our spot there and show what, you know, what our blackfellas could do. So I was really devastated to kind of be ruled out of that with injury. I tried really, really hard. Um, I really actually moved myself to Sydney to rehab and sort of see if I couldn't get myself into that World Cup squad. But it just didn't end up happening that way, actually. My life took a bit of a turn while I was rehabbing. <laughs> yeah, I read that. You uh, ended up being with child. Yeah, so about, <laughs> I think, a couple of months before World Cup, uh, which um, at the time we sort of, I moved from Sydney after rehabbing to Mackay back to sort of where I grew up, which was interesting. So I moved back there with my partner at the time for his football career. 
and realised I must have had too much time on my hands not training because I was pregnant and having my little boy. (laughs) (laughs) And that must have been an absolute joy in itself. Look, and that's uh, everyone says, oh, were you really devastated to miss out on World Cup? Um, Yeah, I was, but I wasn't missing out at that point because of my ACL and because I didn't make it back um, in time. I... By that stage, my thinking had shifted to, you know, this is actually kind of a bit of a blessing. Like, I'm not playing World Cup because I'm having my son. And at that time, I was quite early stages. I think I was just on three months. So I wasn't really telling anyone. Um, but a couple of my sister girls who were playing for Australia, Nikia, Davis Welsh and um, Caitlin Moore, and so and uh, Beck was in there as well. So there was a couple of Indigenous girls that I told that I was pregnant, and that was really exciting. So my little fella was with me at the World Cup. Uh, we weren't on the field, but we were definitely screaming in the bleachers. <laughs> <laughs> You've decided to go back into training after the birth, but once again, that ACL give you trouble. Yeah, so I probably pushed it a little bit too hard. I wanted to get back straight away after having my son. Um, I think, you know, as female athletes, we really try to improve ourselves. You know, men are really fortunate that they can have longevity in their career. But I guess for us women in general, like if we want to have kids, you've got to kind of plan it in the off season and things. And then it definitely does play with your body. You know, your hips are looser, your joints are a lot looser after having a baby. So I started training and I was trying really hard and I started to have some niggling in my knees and things like that again and I had some real swelling and flaring up in my knee and after lots of physio and rehab and things like that, we decided to um, get the MRI just to check the ACL out Um, and the ACL was perfectly fine but I'd actually torn a majority of my articulate cartilage uh, off the bone so that's kind of the bone that attaches to your femur so it wasn't the meniscus which I thought possibly it could be which is in the middle of the, the two knee bones but it was the articulate cartilage, which causes a lot of pain. So um, I went and had surgery. I think my boy was still a baby under one. Um, and I went back, had some surgery again. They basically took that cartilage out. And my doctor sort of said to me, look, that's probably going to be it for you. The best thing you can do now is just run in a straight line. So although I do try and strap on the boots every now and then, um, it's not a career for me anymore. <laughs> I now basically run a little bit bone on bone, um, which causes a lot of pain in my knee. So, and probably, you know, a little bit of arthritis in there, if not already. So I'm restricted to movement. If I overload it too much, I can't really walk up and down stairs or chase after my little fella. So as much as I could have tried to build my leg up and chase that football career, um, I think my thinking just shifted. I wanted to be able to play with my little boy and um, chase after him. And that's what became important to me. But from there, you've now ended up under the wing of Robert D. Castilla, the amazing <laughs> marathon runner who has been doing these uh, marathon projects with Indigenous people. How did that happen? Yeah, so I've been inspired by a couple of the IMP uh, alumni. I've got a few friends that I've known through uni and through netball. So it's kind of a bit of a full circle. And just by chance, since my surgery, um, or a year ago now, I... Um, I haven't really been able to run in a straight line without pain. So I've been building it up slowly, slowly. I have my setbacks and it's really hard mentally to kind of continue and want to be fit and healthy when I've got an injury that can basically stop me from walking some days. So I just thought, oh, look, if I'm going to try and get back into something, it's going to be running. And I hate running. Ask anyone. I run to the fridge and that's about it. Um, or after my little fella. So I just thought, no, I need something that's going to push me and give me a goal, I guess, just take my mind off running as the chore. So I threw my hat in the ring and basically applied for the Indigenous Marathon Project. And Adrian, who's our coach, gave me a call and did our interviews and kind of just said to him, look, brother, 
I really want to do this, but, you know, I'm letting you know I've got a bit of a knee injury. And in the end, I was successful and he's been supporting me with my bung knees and my <laughs> my complaining sore body um, ever since. It's good. We're halfway through the project at the moment. So in a couple of weeks, I'll be doing my 30K time trial to see if I can make the final squad for the marathon. And, of course, that marathon is in New York, or when we're allowed to go over to New York anyway, isn't it? Yeah, so we're in a bit of a funny year. Um, we have had to do all our camps virtually, which basically means we sit on Zoom, either on our phones or on our laptops, to kind of catch up. And then we do our runs, um, and Adrian sends out um, a program that him and Rob put together for us, and then we run in our community. So usually the project takes the participants to Canberra for their first camp, and then they run the Gold Coast Half Marathon, and then they'll run City to Surf for their 25K run. And then they all go to Alice for their 30K time trial before then flying out to New York. This year, obviously, due to COVID, we've been able to go to no camps. <laughs> so all of our camps, we have been in our hometowns, um, basically doing Zoom sessions and running on our own. I was really fortunate to have um, my brother Alex um, Blanco from Murray Island. Um, he They flew him down to run with me, not last week and the weekend before, to do our 25K run. So that was really special because I feel like at this moment I haven't been able to meet any of my teammates physically, just on Zoom. But I think because we're all going through the same thing with COVID and being restricted in our training uh, programs and things, it's kind of really bonded us in a different way to probably what the other, other teams and squads have have bonded in the past couple of years. Definitely got its challenges. I feel for um, two of my teammates that are in Melbourne, um, Lena and um, Andrew, they're down there and they can only run for an hour a day, which is really hard when you've got a 20K scheduled for one day. Um, on a Sunday, you'll have a long run and when they've got a 20K or a 22K, they can only run for an hour. So it's really hard for them and I feel for them so I think I can't complain when I can get out in beautiful North Sunshine and North Queensland and do my run, as much as it hurts and as much as I want to give up. I just kind of think of those, my teammates down there and how hard they're doing it at the moment. What you are going through to achieve your goal with the marathon, that's pretty incredible. Honestly, it's probably the hardest thing I've ever done. You know, playing for Australia football and things, you can kind of sometimes if you're feeling nervous or you're feeling not as fit or not as confident, you can kind of hide behind the hard work and the talent of your teammates. Um, running is so honest you literally have to take every single step so it's not just a physical battle but it's mental and um, it's definitely really hard but when you finish that 20k run or my first half marathon or my 25k I can't explain it it's just it's worth all of the sacrifice and all of the whinging and complaining it's you're on a high for the whole week then yeah so from going on training on your own and as you said you've got uh, some of your compatriots in Melbourne who can only run for that hour with the Indigenous Marathon project that Robert D. Costello has kicked off all those years ago, would you recommend this for other kids in communities to give it a go? Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Like, I would not even hesitate in, um, and I've said to Rob, I'd be happy to, you know, run some uh, programs and running things in community or up this way, you know, for my connections up um, north, fun of Cape Gulf region, um, because I just believe, you know, you know, running comes naturally to our mob activities. You look at any sporting team across any code, you've got Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people excelling. We're really good at that physical stuff. Um, and it's really good for our, you know, mental, emotional health. Um, and I think it's something that I've really turned to my whole life, not just running but sport. 
Um, and in all the sport I've played, you've had to run somewhere. So um, I find that it's just really good for my soul, for my head, for my heart. Um, it makes me a better mum when I run. Uh, it's my time. It's, you know, not a lot of mothers. We don't get a lot of time on our own, <laughs> um, but it's my me time. So I would recommend this program to any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander person who's thinking about applying, um, not just for the running, but for the experiences and for the life lessons you learn and then for the brothers and sisters that you make all around Australia, you know, like the alumni, the people who have done it before me, are all reaching out and sending messages and whenever they come to Cairns, they're stopping in and coming for a run with me and, and it's just those friendships that we're... And, you know, they become family now. So I just... Yeah, it's it's more than just the running. It's It's the whole... The whole program is just amazing to be a part of and I would recommend it any day of the week. Libby, you're a very inspirational and amazing lady. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) Uh, Libby Cook-Black, an amazing lady in sport in all careers and looks like we're going to give her a cheer across the line for the New York Marathon one day.